this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive, uh, Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. Good morning. The letter to the Hebrews is our text for this morning. And Hebrews was written, not surprisingly, since it is called Hebrews, to Jewish Christians living in Jerusalem. And when people ask sometimes where to begin with the study of Scripture, it's always good for me to mention that the book of James is a wonderful, amazing book to read for its practical wisdom on living the Christian life. But the letter to the Church of Hebrews is also amazing for its encouragement and its inspiration. It's a great place to start if you're wanting to study Scripture. And it's a letter written to Jewish Christians who know personally what it is to struggle. They are the church in Jerusalem. They are knowing the pain of division and separation from their own Jewish tradition in this new Christianity movement, this Jesus movement. And they're also facing persecution by the Roman Empire, who doesn't know what to think about these Christians. And in Hebrews, after reminding them so eloquently that faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not yet see, the writer of Hebrews begins to open up the family photo album and remind them of those who've gone before them. I invite you to read along with me this morning and your Bibles as Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 29, is where I'm going to be reading today. This is what it says. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land, but when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received spies in peace. And what more should I say? For a time would fail to tell of Gideon and Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, pinched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking, flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about as skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, Tormented of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, caves and holes in the ground. Yet all these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better, so they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance. 
perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarded its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. So the writer of Hebrews flips over the family album and he begins to remind them of people and circumstances long before them. He names past judges of Israel like Gideon, Samson, Samuel, he remembers Barak, who was commissioned by the judge. He names King David and, Rock, and, and even Rahab, a prostitute who took great risk and courage to save God's people. He speaks up for people who stood for justice who stayed faithful even though they endured so much, mocking, torture, burn, saw, jail, ill, made destitute and poor, and yet they stayed true to the faith in their hearts, even if they lost their lives. Hebrews uses an image of a race, and begins to strive this race with witnesses. It's like he says, if you were running a race, these witnesses are the people in the stands cheering you on. These are people who've been there. They know how hard and how long the road is, and they are cheering you on. He says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, Looking to Jesus, our pioneer and perfecter of the faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarded its shame, and has taken its seat at the right hand of the throne of God. It's beautiful words. Run the race. Jesus has shown us the way, the path forward, so we can keep on going and not give up. It's beautiful, poetic. You know, back when I was a half-hearted cross-country runner in high school, all four years, uh, I would be up late Friday night football games with the marching band, and then on Saturday mornings, I would get up, often in the dark, and get on the bus and head out somewhere to some town to run a race. And every Saturday, I would think, this is it. I'm quitting. This is my last race. I'm telling my coach, after this race, I'm done today. And then, I don't know if you've ever been a runner, it's amazing the negotiations you can begin to have with yourself when you're running a race. Like, I would pick out a tree, and I would say, after I get to that tree, I'm going to slow down. And then I'd pass that tree, and I would say, okay, the next tree, I'm sure keep going a little further. And, or I'd tell myself, you know that girl that was really talking some smack before the race and the green shorts? All I want to do is beat her. I don't care what place I come in, I'm just going to be in front of her. But I would have these negotiations with myself about this torture of running. And here's the thing about that cross country. Every single time, every single time, maybe at the bottom of a big hill we had to run up, my coach would stand at the bottom of that hill ready to cheer us on. And parents would be there yelling obnoxiously and embarrassingly loud <laughs> at the finish line. And I couldn't quit in front of them. A friend would be there with a sign cheering me on. And that's the thing. With them, I could run harder and stronger and faster. And I wouldn't quit when I wanted to. Faith, life is 
just like that. We need each other. Sometimes going out on a solitary walk in the woods might sound great and inspiring, but the Christian faith, the Christian life, has always been known through the power of community. The body of Christ together at work in the world. That is who we are. That is how we have known our faith, through the power of community. We need each other. And listen to these people that he mentions. It's, he's reminding them of all these people that have come before them, that they aren't alone. He's reminding them of people who have suffered and died for their faith. He's reminding of them of people who even messed up big time, some real giant skeletons in their closet. Rahab, a prostitute, King David, public betrayal and affair, the people who risk their lives for their faith, people who die with courage, and yet God used all of them. Imperfect people and all. But what about the list of sufferings he offers? They were mocked, flogged, made poor and destitute, stoned to death, jailed, beaten, sawed in two, no thank you, it is a brutal, brutal list of sufferings. And the truth is, sometimes, I think it's pretty easy for all of us to start to begin to tell ourselves a little thing that if we just do everything right, if we just believe, if we just have faith strong enough, then we can somehow get a pass from hard days or suffering. And that might sound really good to ourselves, but it's not gospel. Hebrews says, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of joy that was set before him, endured the cross. Jesus didn't show us how to get past from suffering. He showed us a way through it. A way through it. The writer's trying to tell that little church in Jerusalem that they can't quit. They may feel that it's a hard road ahead, there may be painful and challenging circumstances, but they can't quit. And you know what? They're not alone. Desmond Tutu, one of my heroes of faith, he's the former Archbishop of uh, Cape Town, South Africa, and he was a leader in the anti-apartheid movement in his own nation, he's South African. He also was uh, foundational to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, a, a means of trying to find some healing after the brutal reality of war and apartheid for so many years. If you don't know much about it, I just really encourage you to look it up to learn more about it. Amazing thing. And Tutu, he really is one of my heroes. And if you've heard him speak or in books and writings, he talks about regularly a very specific moment in his life that he points to as the day his life was changed. And it was when he was nine years old. And he said he was forced living in a society that was totally segregated, where your color of your skin dictated everything about who you could be and what you could do and where you could go in the world. And he said on this day, nine years old, he was standing on the sidewalk with his mother outside of place of employment, she was a domestic worker at the school, when a very tall white man in a clerical collar walked by him and his mother, and he just tipped his hat to his mother and re 
greeted her as he walked past. And this man happened to be uh, Reverend Trevor Huddleston from England at the Anglican Church. And young Desmond was stunned. He'd never seen a white man do that. And he writes, only later did I come to realize the extent to which it had blown my mind that a white man would adopt his hat to my mother. It was something I could have never imagined. The impossible was possible. I subsequently discovered that this was quite consistent with Trevor Huddleston's theology that every person is of significance, of infinite value, because they are created in the image of God. Thought if this is what a minister is, he wanted to know more. And later, Desmond would actually get to know Reverend Huddleston because for 20 months, 20 months as a child, he lived in a hospital with TB. And Tutu writes, his kindness and compassion, his servant leadership were evidence that not all white people had horns and tails. He taught us that the limitations imposed on us by apartheid were in fact false ceilings, that the sky really was the limit. Huddleston would continue to serve in social leadership capacities throughout South Africa and the continent. And one day, the day would come where Reverend Huddleston and Reverend Tutu would be colleagues in ministry together and they would be friends and colleagues, and today, in Reverend Huddleston's English town, hometown of Bedford, there is a statue in his honor, and there's a quote at the bottom of the statue from President Nelson Mandela that says, no white person has done more for South Africa than Reverend Trevor Huddleston. And I tell you all this, because something as small as a tip of a head Something as small as that changed Tutu's life. The world has the legacy and leadership of Reverend Desmond Tutu today in some small part because of the witness of Reverend Trevor Huddleston in his life. Tutu now a Nobel Peace Prize winner. He's got just about every accolade and award around the world that you can get his leadership inspired so many, at 90 years old, he's still telling the story of Reverend Hudson tipping the hat to his mom. So the next time life gets particularly overwhelming for you, the next time you're not sure or certain of the path ahead and how you're going to make it, I want to ask you to do two things. First thing, I want you to remember your cloud of witnesses. The people in your life who have shown you what it means to run up the mountain ahead of you with faith and courage and strength. Who are the people in your life who have cheered you on? The people who have encouraged you and inspired you. The people who have shown you what it means to have faith on the good days, but especially the hard ones. On this All Saints Day, just stop and remember and give thanks for those people in your life. And the second thing I really want you to do is to remember what Hebrews asks of us. To remember Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Remember the promise of your baptism. 
that you are a child of God, loved, held to, and a love that won't ever let you go. You may not get a pass from hard days or scary ones, but you are held to in flame in the love of Jesus Christ that has shown you a way through it. So church, let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us all. Looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, we for the sake of the joy that was set before him and during the cross, has taken a seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Thanks be to God.